Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. You're locked in. Look at what we have here, folks. To the only show that matters. The cream of the crop. Duke loves wrestling. And there is no one that does it better than your host. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. The Duke. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Welcome to a special edition of the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast, and I tell you right now, I'm just over the moon about this, because today we have two of the most recognizable, the most famous, the most beloved pro wrestling fans in known history. It's still real to me, damn it, guy, Dave Wills and Roy Lusher. I mean, this has been a request that has been going on for years you folks have asked for it. You've been on Twitter. You did a little campaign about it. And the guys reached out to me, and they said, Duke, let's make this happen. So here we are. Without further ado, welcome to the Duke Loves Wrestling Podcast, or rather, welcome back, Roy Lucia. How you doing, brother? I can't complain at all. I'm enjoying the uh, what's starting to get a, be a little bit hotter weather up here in the Sacramento area, but I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Can't complain at all. And welcome back. It's still real to me, damn it, guy, Dave Wills. How are you doing there, Dave? I'm doing fantastic, my friend. It's great to meet Roy Lucier. This is great. Same here and, and vice versa. It's finally good to, you know, after all these uh, decades, to finally get to, you know, talk to Dave firsthand. Roy, do, do you remember the first time you were made aware of, of Dave Wills? Describe that, that moment there and even some of your impressions through the years. Um, pretty much, uh, obviously, I think the first thing would be just some like random YouTube video or something on social media with someone in the crowd just sitting there. And, you know, I, I don't know if I had the audio up all the way. In fact, I had to rewind it again because I couldn't figure out like why so many people were sharing it. Finally got the audio up and I heard like, you know, it's, it's still real to me, damn it. And, you know, I just, you know, you felt the emotion and the passion there, and it's like, you know what? That guy right there, that's that's exactly the type of emotion that I, you know, want fans to feel when they go to shows, and, you know, that's the poster kid right there. That's that's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> that That's the same emotion, you know. I got this photo of uh, the Cow Palace from uh, late 2017 or 18, I think it is, and you could see, like, uh, uh, the incomplete right side, people in the getting up and cheering and, you know, giving it some uh, and me being one of the three. And it's like we need more fans that cheer the good guys, boo the bad guys, and are into, like, angle and storyline and stuff like that. And so don't sit there and try to microanalyze it. That's the stuff that just, it gets to me. When, when did, you know, we become this, like, we got to go behind the scenes and try to figure everything out and get in Vince's head and, or whoever the promoter is. Can't we just enjoy it without having to overthink it? You know, that's, totally. that's one thing I love about Dave. He just enjoys it, you know? I totally agree. I mean, we all see stuff we like, all see stuff we don't like, and I get that, okay? But, I mean, it's great to just go in there and look at it as a fan and enjoy it, okay? That's the fantastic part of the whole situation. 
And a lot of people overthink it. But, I mean, hey, it's wrestling. The guys are out there busting their butts. They're busting their tails. It's a wonderful thing. That's fantastic. And that's what I like. You know, one thing that, you know, gets to me, and I get it. If you're short on time and you just want to watch one match from a show or maybe two or something like that, oh, what was recommended? Oh, this is the best match on the show. But avoid all the rest of these matches. You know what? It's a Friday night. I got you know, five hours before I go to sleep, I'm turning on the entire show and watching it from beginning to end because I want to give everybody that is out there that respect. I want to enjoy it, watch the character build up, see what they did. Maybe right or wrong, but I still want to enjoy everything out there. I'm not into this best of or let's watch this one good match. I still love from the opening bell to the end of the show. You know, that's what I love about these events, especially, you know, going to live events. It's just that atmosphere, you know, whether there's – I've been at a show with Thunder Rosa on it and eight people were there, and it wasn't because Thunder Rosa was on it. It was just poorly uh, promoted. And I've been to shows with tens of thousands of people, and it's just like I love the atmosphere of a live show, the entire thing, you know. Dave, because you're so, you're so beloved with this It's Still Real to Me Damn It stuff – uh, a lot of promotions, especially as of late, they, they like to make sure that they get a shot of you in the crowd, so to speak. Talk to, talk about your, your live uh, show experience and, and piggyback on some of the things that Roy was talking about, which um, he's so passionate about when it comes to the live experience. Oh, I've enjoyed shows uh, as far as it goes. The live experience, there ain't nothing like it, okay? Um, it's fantastic to get to meet the guys. I mean, these guys are out there busting their butt for everybody. They're out there going out and doing all kind of good stuff. The, and they, you know, and the, you know, on a lot of independent shows, they don't get paid uh, as very much money. And I'm glad to see more people are getting paid. And more people are getting paid uh, good wages, you know. But it's just phenomenal to see exactly what's going on, and to see that you know. Fans are seem to enjoy more and seem to enjoy it even uh, more wonderful. They seem to enjoy the you know the wonderful action more than they have previously, and it's just great that you know people like uh, and people that are like wonderful and fantastic and you know just be around it right around it. That's wonderful. Sure, Dave. We we've spoken about. Your fandom, you know, exclusively. You've been on the show numerous times, and we've dug into those aspects there. And I can recall you and I talking about the super fan, Roy Lucier, and, and this incredible uh, stack of, of matches and, and hard-to-find whole shows and things of that nature on his network and what have you. If, if you could ask Roy any questions about some of his hard to find and, and his rare matches that he has in his collection. What would be some of the some of the questions you'd ask? Yes, hey, what is your prized film that you got, Roy? What do you really are you really proud of? Um, you know what? Uh, about a year or so ago, I ended up getting my hands on some like early seventies cow palace footage. It was like eight millimeter. It was filmed by like a friend of. Pat Patterson, and none of that stuff was anywhere out on the internet. So when I came across that from a uh, wrestling lawyer in Southern California who had the VHS tape of it, and I got it converted, I think that one, because um, 
I even when, when I posted it, I mean, Meltzer shared it and tagged The Rock on it and said, hey, you're a, both your dad and grandpa are on here. You might want to take a look at this. So uh, yeah. that's probably what jumps out first to me as far as like rare footage. Um, probably that first. Uh, a lot of like low grade um, Mexican TV shows that I personally recorded off the satellite dish, the UWA TV shows from 1992. It was like the last tour that Andre the Giant did. Um, where he's like in the ring with like uh, Yokozuna back when he was Coquina, uh, Black Scorpio, who's now Too Cold Scorpio, uh, Bam Bam Bigelow. Uh, a lot of that stuff was because I, w- I had a satellite dish in the 90s, well, it was my dad's satellite dish, and I was recording all that stuff, and I started tape trading with people and got that out there and, you know, uh, converted it myself. So awesome. a lot of that are the, the CMLL Guadalajara TV shows, which to this date, I don't know anyone else that ever had that stuff. Um, just randomly flipping through the satellite dish and found that one night and started recording it every week for about four months. Uh, just, just the stuff like that. I mean, you know, WWE has a lock on all the stuff that they own and all the promotions and all that. So that's why, you know, a lot of people ask me for like certain episodes of superstars or looking for whatever. And it's like, to be honest with you, it's like, I, I don't even want to bother putting it out because I don't want to deal with the copyright issues or the stuff that the WWE might say or do. I just rather deal with the other promotions a lot no, which no longer exists. You know, some of that five-star wrestling stuff where Terry Gordy was the champion back in Alabama. And, yeah, like stuff like that. You know, I, I love sharing that. And, or um, that promotion that Billy Jack Haynes ran up in uh, Portland in the late 80s where he had like... Absolutely. They had like, uh, what was it? They had Shockmaster Fred, uh, Fred Ottman in there and Superstar Bubba. Yeah, he was like, I forgot. Yeah, he was called Bubba. And they had Johnny Hercules Ace. Haggerty, maybe? Hercules Haggerty. And, uh, yeah, Hercules yes, Hercules Belly. Haggerty. Yep, yep. And, you know, and... Uh, you know that, that that kind of stuff, just these obscure. Or um, I, I'm I know I shared it online, but I found some promotion in Australia from '99, where I think it was called High Risk Championship Wrestling, and the main event was Nails versus Primo Carnera the Third. I mean, <laughs> that's the stuff that really sticks out to me in my collection that I um, am, am really proud of. And uh, I'll, I'll let everyone know this. I let Duke know this, and I'm sure I'll post it by Twitter by the time this goes up. But I just came across the entire uh, first year of AAA, the Mexican company, from 1992, right when they first were created. So I'm going to start putting that up uh, later today. So, that you know, things like that. You know, I, I was around firsthand watching it on TV, and then I was there live at all the – shows at the sports arena. So that's a promotion that I'm very, very passionate about. And, you know, I, you know, that um, it's, it's real to me, damn it moment. You know, you think sometimes <laughs> like you're, you're, you're glad that was caught on camera and stuff. In 93, I had this moment where I was at the LA sports arena before the show started and I was running around the building with a sign that said hundred percent Rudos on it. And apparently it was pissing off all the Mexican fans. And they started throwing, yeah. like, dirty diapers, cups of piss, hot dog nachos. 
to the point where the LAPD had to come and get me out of there because fans were starting to riot. So, <laughs> you know, I... Nice. Yeah. I was at a so taping I, in Cobb County Civic Center one time. Well, it was a taping. It was a house show. And they had Smoky Mountain Rest. They had the gangsters over there. And I had some fans oh of mine God. who were... Some friends of mine who were around. And uh, we were hanging in there. And we were the Hill fans back then. The gangsters were in the ring and all. And they were doing, uh, I think, facing rock and roll. So what we did was we got out there and started, you know, cheering, you know, for the gangsters. What I did was I put a coat on, put some black shoes on, put a bandana on, and was up there, you know, <laughs> holding the X symbol. And everybody's like, boo, boo, boo. Well, then along the way, uh, we're having it and cheering for them, booing the rock and roll. All this other great stuff. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I think my buddy, I think his name was Dave. I hadn't seen him in forever. He tore up one of Tracy's mother's gimmick Confederate flags he was selling, which prompted some woman to go, I'll cut you, I'll cut you. And she started doing all this stuff and everything. and Chased him like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? We're going to be in the middle of a redneck riot around here, you know. And I look around, I'm like, what can we do? Oh, oh, doggone. That looks like D-Lo Brown. I hide behind him and hold up my ex where, yeah, I'm absolutely, I'm absolutely still still being a heel, but I'm I'm hiding from the uh, redneck right there, from, from, from the fans, you know. <laughs> so thankfully they got him out of the building, and then I went ahead and got out of there. But it was kind of interesting, so that was fun. It was a great experience. Hey, you know what we need to do is replace replay um replace that one uh video of like when the nation comes out and you got that little white oh, kid yeah. with the glass. <laughs> we need to do that with with Dave. Oh, with Dave and Dave. Dave. Hold uh, <laughs> hey, you know Mustafa Mustafa lives up here in Sacramento, so he works a lot of shows around here. So he's always telling me when I do see him about you know, some of the heat that they would gotten, you know, they they would go to a lot of areas, I guess, where uh some people had never seen black people before. So <laughs> they they uh definitely uh got some heat and then some and uh sure. I remember one time New Jack did this interview where he <laughs> went on T V <laughs> and this was the week after uh the O J thing, uh after when the when the wife and Ron Goldman got murdered. And New Jack goes on TV and goes, he wants to throw a shout out to New Jack for getting rid of two of them, <laughs> you know, white people. And, you know, and, and something exactly. like that could never play today, right? Can you imagine that airing today? What would happen? That, no, I, I, that's and to think about it, we were alive for that. That was not that long ago, man. If movies and theater are allowed to have people playing roles and drawing that type of emotion, I personally don't see why wrestling or wrestlers that are playing characters can't go to that extreme or that level sometimes. I wish that was like, quote unquote, allowed, uh, or people would take those kind of risks to do it. I mean, you got a a very light version of Dutch Mantel doing it when he was managing Del Rio doing the uh, or Swagger and doing the, uh, what the gimmick that he was doing, but that was light compared to what he could have done. But from what I heard, they really had to keep it light because they didn't want to draw trouble or, or X, Y, and Z. And it's like, you're playing a role. You have to garnish emotion, but Absolutely. I guess it's, 
yeah, the, the problem is nowadays people, instead of hating the character, they want to hate the promotion and, quote-unquote, go out for the sponsors. So that's, you know, that, that, to me that's a problem. And, you know, that's a lot. I wish that would change and people would realize they're, they're characters playing characters, you know. I don't disagree with you one bit because, like you said, when you, when you look at TV shows, you look at movies, uh, you know, I don't look at Al Pacino, the man, and say, oh, God, look at that. There goes Scarface, or there goes Michael Corleone. You know, how many people he's killed? I better watch out, you know? So it's pro wrestling definitely gets an interesting uh, amount of criticism for the things that, that they do. When it, you know, the cat's already out of bag. We know it's a work. So the question yeah. is, where is the line drawn, and why, you know, why can't we cross that line? Yeah, so it's a it's a good question. It's a, it's a good food for thought. In fact, we'll, we'll throw it out there to folks who are listening. Jump online and and you know I'll, I'll put up a post about this specifically, and we'll we'll take this portion of the show and let's have an expanded conversation on this. Do you feel pro wrestling has gone too far PG, and would you like to see it mirror more of what you see in other episodic TV shows and movies? I mean, that, that would be interesting to see what the general appetite of the greater fans are on that. Yeah, I mean, like, what was the DiCaprio movie, uh, Django Unchained? You know, DiCaprio himself didn't get heat for playing a character, you know? And it's like, when you got Ricochet's not his real name, he's playing a character. If he were to go out there to do something like, you know, racy or, you know, borderline goes against today's society he's going to end up getting heat, not the character, or the promotion's going to end up getting heat. And it's, that's kind of one thing that, you know, I just, I, I wish would, would turn back around and, or at least have a promotion out there that caters to the fan that's looking for those type of angles or is willing to risk those type of uh, storylines and, uh, you know, get, see what happens from the heat from it and if you get a handful of fans online, you know what? Just blow them to the side and, and see where your ticket sales are instead of garnishing uh, social media attention and, and catering to those few fans that are upset about it. You know, the ultimate bottom line, TV ratings or ticket sales, how did those do based off of the angle that you just ran? You know, that should be the ultimate line to see where, if it was successful or not. That's definitely good stuff, and it it definitely provokes a lot of thought and further conversation should be had on that. Uh, And and it's crazy because you you brought up the Internet and you brought up some of these fans, and we know that the pro wrestling fan base is so diverse, not just in terms of, you know, the, the people themselves, but their ideas and their feelings and their thoughts. Dave... The internet, the internet has yeah. taken pro wrestling fandom to another level where sure. you know, any Johnny so-and-so with a computer can pretend to be somebody that matters. And, you know, whether they're tweeting or Facebooking or what have you, they, they put out things and raise hell and what have you. Your it's still real to me, damn it, moment has been turned into a, a, a gif and a meme and it's something that I see posted every single solitary day. 
to the point where I started tagging you every time I see it now because it, it literally, I see it everywhere to this day. Talk to us about that. How has the internet affected your fandom on a personal level? And, you know, just like what Roy was talking about, from a general standpoint as well, what do you think about specifically the internet wrestling fan? Well, internet wrestling fan, it just depends. Internet wrestling is wonderful. It's fantastic, okay? The fans are fantastic. A lot of people are very, very, very um, motivated, very uh, enjoyable. The pro- They've enjoyed the product a lot. But at the same time, you got to enjoy it. A lot of people watch stuff to hate it. I don't get that. Um, they watch stuff um, just to comment and despise and, you know, critique. I'm sorry. I've, everybody can screw up, you know. If you miss something, that's one thing. But, I mean, what what's the deal here? Watch what you like. If you don't watch it, that's okay. If you do watch it, that's great. But, I mean, you know, don't just watch to hate. Do you feel you're treated fairly online, Dave? I don't see a point of it that I am being unfairly, that, that I'm being treated unfairly. I mean, here's the deal, okay? Um, at the end of the day, I'm not being, I, you know, they can say what they want, okay? I get that. My self-esteem is determined by my self-worth, okay? My self-esteem is determined by what I do. I don't worry about people I don't know think about me. That's just ridiculous right there. That's silly. I mean, it's ridiculous, you know. And as far as it goes, people can have their opinions about me. Some people don't like me. Some people ain't. So what? I mean, I, I, I'm a grown-up. I'm 45 years old. I hate to say it, but uh, like I care. I mean, I got friends, family, other people, work that does that, okay? And it's good stuff. Well said. You know. Well said. To expunge on that, to expunge on that, you know, Someone the other day I saw online trying to poke Dave and, and make a comment like he seems the type of fan that lives in his mother's basement or whatever. I saw Dave shoot back and say, you know what? My house is paid for. I own my car outright. You know, don't even go there with me because I ain't that that loser that you're trying to portray. So, no, I, I really appreciate Dave saying that on the behalf of all of us that love and adore wrestling that and so what if you lived in your mom's basement that's it, it, you know exactly. I, I own my place just because you have this portrayal or uh, perception about certain fans can, can we stop with the whole living in the mom's basement or whatever buzzword that you've been hearing or vanilla midget or whatever else you want to come up with for the last few years you know, Dave shot them down, and I just wanted to say, you know, publicly, thank you for saying that from the rest of us. Uh, uh, you're welcome. I appreciate that. And, hey, you know, at the end of the day, we all do and everything. We all have opinions, you know. And, you know, it's good stuff. You know, I really have, you know, enjoyed meeting people. Some people have been cool, some people haven't been. But... You know, some people are good, some people aren't. It's just the way it goes. For sure, for sure. And, you know, it's it's crazy because, like you said, you can't allow how these folks view you to dictate how you feel about yourself or 
whether or not you're going to have a good day or a bad day because some of these folks just are miserable in their own lives and they want to spread that misery. And when they see someone who genuinely feels good, it's almost as if it makes them upset because for whatever reason, they can't feel that at the moment or they're not feeling that at the moment. So rather than try to reach out to you and say, hey, you know, Dave, hey, Roy, what's going on that's making you feel so good? You know, let me get some of that. Show me that match or or tell me about that experience. They'd rather take shots and try to bring you down to their level. And, and, you know, it's just not worth it. Um, I'll tell you one thing that is worth it, though, and it's something that I see from the two of you, which I really admire, and we'll start with Roy on this one, pro wrestlers seek you out and they genuinely want to talk to you and check out the matches that you have in your collection. You know, they, they, they put out requests for you to find things in their career for them. Talk to us about some of these experiences with the wrestlers, because at the end of the day, you're just a fan and somehow, some way you've managed to position yourself where you literally are a go-to person for wrestlers, and they respect you and appreciate you. Talk to us about that, Roy. Um. Uh, okay, so I got I got a really close friend who uh, his contract's about to come up, so I, I'm not going to say his name. Uh, but he, uh, uh, don't worry. At some point, his name may be revived if you catch my drift. But I. Uh, <laughs> <he's>, <laughs> He uh, he often reaches out to me in regards to like he's looking for certain matches uh, to help him and his partner like learn and uh, you know like, study and stuff like that. So uh, luckily, you know, I've, I've met a lot of people. You know, a lot of the photos that I get, luckily, I've been you know either lucky enough to get backstage or. I mean, either picking the people up at the airport as well and taking them to the show or taking them to the airport afterwards. Like uh, recently, uh, Brian Pillman Jr. got booked out here and uh, him and I have, you know, gotten to be pretty, you know, chummy chummy. He uh, was working a show with Liger up uh, in, I think, Seattle for Matt Farmer for Defy uh, last summer. And he hit me up beforehand. He's all like, I've seen a lot of stuff with my dad and him, but I need to expand it because I don't want to sit here and have it to be Liger Pillman too, which is a repeat of everything my dad did. So I ended up getting the yeah. kid like a, a 30 disc best of collection of, of Liger matches for him to study from and stuff like that. And if you watch the moments that he had in there with the ring, I think it was a six man match. It wasn't a singles match that they had. It was completely different from every Liger Pillman match he saw because he wanted to do something completely different, you know, and, and make his own name instead of, you know, living off his dad's legacy, but obviously honoring his dad's legacy by being in the ring with someone with like Liger. Sure. Um, yeah. And a lot of the, you know, I, I've been really close to Harry Boy Smith Jr. for a while now, which has led to me uh, getting to know, uh, TJ, his cousin Tyson Kidd, pretty good, uh, which led me to getting to know Natalia pretty good. Met her a few times now. Uh, just, you know, it, it's a great feeling, and it's a good feeling to, you know, wake up and see a text message from Cassia Zono saying, hey, uh, 
you know, look, look what I just got in the mail and sharing something from his memorabilia with me. And, you know, it's, it's a great feeling. And it, this it really is a great brotherhood and sisterhood. You know, there's a lot of great people out there. There's a lot of wonderful people out there. And, you know, I, I know we got a, the occasional story that's um, tabloidish and stuff like that. But, you know, I want to say that 99% of the people that I've met in this business are great, kind people from the heart who love this business and love, you know, being around the boys and the ladies and, you know, just want to make the world a better place. Dave, you've, you've expressed similar sentiments about, you know, some of the wrestlers you've been fortunate enough to get to know on a personal level. Talk to us about that because it's you by far are the most famous wrestling fan probably in history. I mean, literally everybody knows who you are. Um, and I, I have never in my life, I've never online seen a wrestler mention you and say something negative about you. Oh, who knows? That might be different. You never can tell. <laughs> but talk to us about that. Talk to us about some of your experiences on a personal level. Then. Personal level? Pretty much everybody's been great. I mean, you know, most people are very respectful. You know, I try to be respectful back. I don't take public beefs. I don't take public beefs out there and stuff like that. Uh, you know, I just think that, you know, hey, there's too much good out there to hate. You got to enjoy what you watch. You got to enjoy it, and that's pretty much where I'm at. You know, I mean, I think this has been a great time for wrestling, and I appreciate all the wrestlers. I appreciate their sacrifice, what they do to their bodies. I think they should be able to go out there. I have no problem thinking they should have a union. I think that's what I wouldn't see. Like, I'd like to see profit sharing, health insurance, stuff like that. But it doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah, and that's the. That's the ugly side of... They should be able to join SAG. Sure. Sure. And that's the ugly side of this. And I, I know you guys personally have, have seen it yourselves um, through your relationships with different wrestlers, folks that we watched growing up. And some of these folks are not in the best uh, situations now because maybe they didn't manage their money and, and that wasn't a focus back when... You know, they were running wild in the 70s and the 80s and maybe even the early 90s. Um, so the the whole concept of a union or, or some kind of retirement, something that can allow the wrestlers to have something to look forward to on the back end, or, if, you know, God forbid, if they have a career-ending injury, what do they do next? It, it would be nice to see things like that more in place for them. And in fact, I, I know, you know, Roy, you in particular, with your work with the Cauliflower Alley Club, uh, talk to us about that and just the club itself and some of the things that they do for wrestlers who are in tough situations. Okay, so Cauliflower Alley Club is a nonprofit organization. Uh, I believe it's 501C3 is the exact term. Um, uh, there's annual dues every year, or you can become a lifetime member. I think annual dues is 25, lifetime is 300. Uh, the money goes into a benevolent fund, and what happens is if a wrestler has been in the business at least three years, is down on their luck when it comes to medical bills, rent, a um, situation that requires a little uh, assistance, they fill out a benevolent fund request. Um, I personally seen this 
happen even in the past couple days where um, because of HIPAA, I mean, I, I really can't go into detail about it, but sure. let's just say like, you know, a wrestler uh, is dealing with a severe health issue. They provide the information as far as the doctor, uh, the, the amount the bill is, what the problem is. And uh, once the problem is proven, the CAC cuts a check to uh, the doctor, to the landlord, to the utility company, to whatever is, is needed in order to take care of that uh, need for the wrestler. Uh, for example, there, there's a few wrestlers that have been very vocal um, about things that we've done. Uh, Paul Orndorff and Kamala, for example, have both allowed us to share their stories. Both of them are looking at eviction as far as their home. Cauliflower Alley stepped in, and I believe uh, Orndorff had Jericho help as well. Um, and they, not only were their homes saved because of their age, they don't have to pay taxes on the uh, property taxes on the home anymore. So they basically can live there as long as they live. So it, I'm really happy to be a part of this organization. Uh, Brian Blair's been, uh, B. Brian Blair's been a very, very close friend for the past couple of years. Uh, been about a, a little over a year that I've been doing this now. I run all their social media as far as their Facebook, their Twitter, their Instagram. Um, if a wrestler passes away, such as, you know, I get a phone call from an emotional Rocky, um, Brian Blair, who's letting me know, uh, I just got off the phone with Rocky Johnson's wife. Uh, Rocky just passed away uh, a bit ago. Um, I'll go online and break the news to the world. Or, you know, once I get stuff verified, I, I go on and break the news on the Cauliflower Out pages or announce upcoming events with the CAC or um, guests that will be honored there or things having to do with the convention or just put little silly things up and stuff like that. And it, it's an honor to do that and to be connected with a really, really good organization that I believe is doing it from the heart that cares about the boys and the ladies and is there whenever, you know, something is needed. And we, I know we live in a time where there could be scrupulous people. I've seen a couple benevolent requests come in that were, you know, just couldn't be proven and things like that. And it, you're going to have people like that out there, and that's fine. But there you're are people out there that legitimately need it. Yeah. So, um, you know, it, it's great. It really is good to be a part of this organization and something I definitely will be a part of for a very long time. And if anyone out there um, owes taxes, one thing too is if you get any kind of memberships or you have any expenses when it comes to Cauliflower Alley, I'm, like if you've come out to the event or buy a ticket or whatever, all that stuff could be written off on your taxes, which I, I'm just learning about now. So, you know, I go back, get my airfare, get my ticket, my hotel and all that stuff. And all that stuff could be written off. Because it is a nonprofit organization, and it's it's so it's a really really good organization to be a part of. And I urge everyone uh, reach out to me personally if you have any questions about it. Uh, we have a reunion in two months. We're going to be honoring great Medusa. Yeah, um, we're going to be honoring Medusa, Rey Mysterio, uh, the Road Warriors, quite a few jazz with the Women's Award. Um, Brian Pillman Jr. and Madison Miles for the uh, Rising Star Awards. 
it really is a great organization. I can't say enough good things about it. Roy, you said that uh, folks could reach out to you personally. What's the best way to do that? Plug, plug the social media what have you on, on the heels of what you just said there. Um, my Twitter is probably my best way. Uh, I, I have it open so people are welcome to send me messages anytime. I don't shut it to the public. Uh, my Twitter is going to be under my real name, Roy Lusher. So uh, uh, squiggly sign, whatever it is, R-O-Y-L-U-C-I-E-R. Uh, feel free. Uh, there's a profile picture with me with Psycho Clown and Mascara um, in Las Vegas. So um, I think there's three Roy Lushers on there. I'm the one that's got all the wrestling stuff on there. <laughs> you sure are. And, and Dave, <laughs> I know for a fact that, you know, when I when I tell people, oh, thanks for sharing that, that GIF or that meme, that's Dave Wills. He's the actual it's still real to me, damn it, guy. When I share that, when I tell people that, they actually do check you out and what have you. So plug your social media. What's, what's the best way that folks can reach out to you and, and follow you and your at wild still real Dave At, uh, at still real Dave on Twitter. At still real Dave. Uh, who knows? I'll have a conversation with anybody. You know, hey, I enjoy it. I like to follow fans. It's great to hear good things. And listen, I'll tell you right now, Dave will definitely have a conversation with anybody, including some of the trolls out there, and he'll find a, a very positive way to address them, which is pretty hilarious uh, to see how the stuff you come up with, Dave, when <laughs> when you're striking back at some of these trolls, which is funny. Listen, but before I let you guys go, and Dave, I want to start with you. What's some advice? What's some something that you can share with some of the fans out there, especially younger fans, people who realize that maybe they aren't going to be pro wrestlers personally for whatever reason. Um, maybe their path is going in a different direction. You know, they're going to do sales. They're going to be a doctor. They're going to be the next president of the United States. Who knows? But they still, but they love the business and they're passionate about the business and they want to support and encourage and bring positivity to the business the way that Dave Wills and Roy Lusher have done through all these decades here. What's some advice you can give to them, Dave, just from a, a fan's perspective in general? You got to go ahead and keep yourself in perspective. You got to go ahead and realize that at the end of the day, social media, honestly, that don't mean anything. It matters who you are deep down. Stay true to yourself. Make sure that you're doing good. Make sure that you're, you know, doing good stuff, and that's okay. And, you know, you just got to keep on being positive, you know. Don't let the haters get to you. At the end of the day, it's somebody behind a computer. Who cares? As long as your family, your friends, et cetera, take care of you, hey, that's what matters, you know. As long as you take care of them, that's what matters. Roy, how about yourself? What's some advice that you can give to fans, especially the younger fans out there? You know, Dave kind of hit on this earlier. I'll expand on it a little bit. Watch what you love. You know, enjoy what you like. Share what you love. Uh, if you watch something and uh, you're not a fan of it, why waste the energy in sitting there and pointing out? You know, I, I even like something as ridiculous as um, uh, the – Probably a couple months ago, what was it? The Dark Order punches on Dustin Rhodes, like in on AEW and stuff like that. I mean, I got a little laugh and ha ha out of it and stuff like that. But it's like, 
just enjoy what you like and, and promote it. And you don't need to watch every little single promotion out there. Although, tr um, get into it. Watch it at least once or twice. Maybe something mm -hmm. that you uh, gig when you watch it and you stick with it. Like, I've been watching – oh, and another thing, too. If something is in a language you don't understand, don't automatically shut it off because you may miss out on some of the best stuff that you've ever seen in your life. I didn't start speaking Spanish until uh, the late 90s, and I watched uh, Mexican wrestling from the late 80s to now, and I didn't understand it for a very long time. And I still love the hell out of it. Same with Japanese wrestling. I didn't shut – it off like it, it never let that be a barrier to you enjoying a product is that you don't understand the language because a lot of times when I watch uh, AAA's uh, broadcast on Saturday nights that they do like Rey Reyes or Triple Mania or whatever I'll do the Spanish commentary over the English commentary just because I think that there's more emotion and passion with those announcers than there is with the ones that speak English. So, you know, that is universal, is the emotion and the passion from the announcers. So that could really be a help is, you know, watching it and uh, not letting the language be a barrier to you enjoying a product. So that would probably be my biggest advice is just watch what you like and enjoy what you love and share the hell out of it. And if you, if you don't like something, you know, Duke, I know you and I have talked, there's, Sure. Quite a few mainstream promotions out there that I'm not a fan of, but I'm not going to sit here and be one of those people, old man yelling at the cloud that every single moment has to uh, make my dislike for the promotions public and just be a negative Nancy and old man yelling at cloud. You know what? It just wasn't for me. I moved on and I found stuff that I like and that I watch religiously. How's that for a great conversation? I mean, seriously, you're talking about two of the most respected, beloved wrestling fans in the history, known history of the sport, coming together and having a conversation. They did it here on the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast. So I thank Roy Lusher, the super fan, and also it's still real to me, damn it, guy, Dave Wills. I thank both of those guys, just two good friends of mine and two people that I just have a tremendous amount of respect for. Which, you know, people in the wrestling industry and beyond have a lot of respect for. It's just, it's cool when you find people who can be themselves, who can be themselves unapologetically and actually give a damn about something. It's just cool to see. I love it. And we all have those moments. I mean, okay, let's say pro wrestling isn't your thing. Well, it could be boxing. It could be MMA. It could be football, basketball. It could be reality TV shows. It could be anything, right? Politics. We all have our things that make us fans and we get wrapped up into it and we get passionate about it. And it's okay. Don't take yourself too seriously, folks. It's okay to be passionate about something. That's for sure. Listen, welcome back to the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast. Great conversation with two super fans. You know, this is this is a special here. Just talking to some great folks, having a good time, right? And in fact, we're going to keep that ball rolling because in a minute, I'm going to talk to my man, Reed, 
That's right. The boxing analyst, combat sports analyst, the man who I reach out to to break down all the big fights outside of the wrestling world. We're going to be talking about the Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder fight. But before I get to that, I got to give a shout out to my folks over at Navitas Organics. Oh, my goodness. Folks, I had the most delicious coffee the other day. And it's because I kicked it up a notch with my Navitas Organics and it was just fantastic. You know, I keep telling you you folks about this stuff. You, you really got to try it out sometime. Listen to this. I got myself a, a caramel coffee cake flavored coffee. Made it at home, right? Got myself some vanilla oat milk. And then I mixed in some of that Navitas cacao to so give it a little, little chocolate, you know. Little chocolate flavor in there as well. Blended that sucker up, poured it over ice, and just sat back and enjoyed myself. And it gave me a great pick me up. It was just, oh, love it. Love it. Anybody who makes coffee at home, you know how difficult it is to tweak it and get it to a point where it actually is to your liking. Right. It's like a science experiment. You just got to keep messing around with it. But there are just certain products that I find that when I add it to my coffee that I make at home, it just kicks it up. Enough. And, and, you know, sometimes I put it in the store bought coffee, too, or the coffee shop coffee because it's just that damn good. So, you know, if you check out my my instant messenger, excuse me, my Instagram, you check out my Twitter, you'll see I, I put that stuff up there. Shout out to the coffee core. We, we post every day about whatever coffee we're drinking. We would definitely love our our daily pick me up in the form of our caffeinated drinks. That's for sure. But yeah, man, Navitas Organics cacao. You need some chocolate in your life. It's healthy, organic, good stuff. Check it out. That's right. OK, I'm not going to uh, belabor the point anymore. Here we go. My man, Reed. So, folks, you saw this past weekend, we literally had the highest grossing heavyweight boxing match of at least the past five, possibly even ten years. Uh, Deontay Wilder took on Tyson Fury. And this was the second time that these guys had squared off with each other. And much like the first time, it was a controversial finish, but... Unlike the first time, it was a hell of a lot more decisive, that's for sure. So, as always, you know, i got to reach out to literally one of the most well-respected, most well-knowledgeable, and, and one of the coolest boxing analysts on the planet today. A guy who knows his stuff inside and out. So, hey, without further ado, welcome back to the Duke Loves Wrestling Podcast. The man, Reed. What's going on, brother? Brother Duke, my man. Now, before we get started, uh, knowledgeable and respected, I don't know about that, but I am unequivocally the coolest, the coolest boxing dude on the, the coolest person, period, on the planet, but I digress. Hey, hey I, I don't know any, too many people who are going to deny that. It is what it is, you know. <laughs> and I have a title belt, and I wish this was an audio thing, but it is not, so, you know, y'all just got to trust me on that. That's right. That's right. And you can now do you carry it around like Drake did? You know, you saw Drake, he was carrying around two WWE championships at the at the Raptors game because you know they won the championship last year. When I first won it, 
many years ago I did, but yeah, I'm to the point now. I don't. It's just it's in the trophy case. No one. It's undisputed. So yeah, you know there it is. It, it is, is what it is. If you walk around with the belt, somebody might challenge you for it. So you got to be careful. Right. About that exactly. 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 So listen, Reed. I, you know, I was, I was, I, I stayed up Saturday nights. You know, it's, it's getting tougher. The older you get, it's tough, man, because it doesn't matter what pay per view you're watching. It's after midnight before you really get a chance to see the main event kick off. And that's a struggle after a long week, man. But, you know, I stayed up. I had my coffee and, you know, a couple of adult beverages and my snacks. And I'm like, okay, we're going to settle in. We're going to see what's up here. And, man, that match, I just, I didn't know what to do with it. So so I'm going to shut up and let you break it down. But what the hell happened during that Wilder and Tyson Fury match? What the hell happened? Uh, Well, let's go. Let's go A to Z. So first of all, uh moving forward, this is uh this is this is free smoke as they call it, free game. You need to get a midday nap, brother Duke. That's that's the key. That's the key. You're getting up there, I don't want to reveal your age, damn sure don't want you to reveal mine. If you know you're gonna be up late, you know that adult beverages will be involved. Just take a take a little nap middle of the day. Three, two, two and a half, three hours, maybe four, who knows? But anyway, so I was fully charged and refreshed, excited, energized. Uh, and then the fight starts, and I mean Tyson Fury, almost to the almost to the letter of every word he uttered pre-fight, he said, "I'm going to walk out there. I'm going to press the issue. I'm going to knock him out in two rounds." He said this to every person who interviewed him. He said this to Wilder's face every time, every press conference and every little stare down they had, two rounds, two rounds. Like, whatever, dude. I mean, I know he's a big dude. Like, any heavyweight can knock you out. But if you saw the first fight, you know, Fury's more of a finesse guy moving, and he's exceptionally athletic for a guy with a dad bod, 6'9", pipe cleaner calves. He's very mobile. Head like he he calls himself heavyweight Floyd, and that's really the best way to uh, equate him. Anyone who's seen Floyd Mayweather fight, imagine a six nine doughy guy, you know, fighting that way, two hundred seventy three pounds, and that's Tyson Fury, and he did it eloquently. But against Wilder, he pressed the issue, walks him down immediately, forced Wilder backwards. Uh, in the third round, he clipped him. The punch he hit him with, now, it was behind the head, but here's the thing about it. When you fire the uh, the legal areas of the head shot to the side, it's uh, temple, ear, and slightly behind the ear. However, uh, natural reaction, someone throws a punch at you, you're going to duck out of the way of it. So Wilder sees the right hand coming towards him. He ducks out of the way of it. Well, Fury's already fired the punch. It's not like Fury aimed for the back of Wilder's head. It's the fact he already fired the punch. Wilder reacted to it. He got hit in the back of the head, ear area, and he got dropped with it. And that punch right there, that that one punch pretty much decided the fight. In the moment, it looked like uh, Wilder's eardrum was busted. But from what I've learned, he actually suffered a slight cut inside the ear. 
which I've never heard of in by I've never with with gloves on. Uh, they're heavyweights, so they had ten ounce gloves on. I don't know how you could cut someone inside their ear, but that was the prognosis, and he had to get anywhere from three to six inches, uh, three to six stitches, I should say, to close that uh, cut in his ear. But just it seemed his equilibrium was off. Speaking of Wilder, he just he was never he was never able to regain steadiness from that one punch. I think it was the fifth round where a body shot dropped him. And again, 273 pound dude hit me in my body. Yeah, I'm probably going down. It seemed weird to see Wilder go down from that, but I, I hearken back to his lost equilibrium. Uh, then after you know. I think that was the fifth round. By the sixth, I'm kind of looking at my dude like, hey, man, you know, this ain't going so well, bro. And like, how much more of this, how much more of this is he willing to take if he doesn't show something soon? Seventh round, by the seventh round stoppage, by the time the stoppage happened, literally I had already been screaming at the television I was watching for at least 10 or 15 seconds, like, stop it, stop it, stop it. Fury had him trapped in the corner, just flurrying on him, Wilder hadn't punched back, and real talk on some boxing shit, he took away Wilder's right hand. Wilder's one chance is his right hand throws hammer from Alabama. Well, Fury was throwing left hooks, and people complained, and it looked like slaps. It might have been slaps, but he threw his left hand so much, it made Wilder leery of using his own right hand, which is his, his throws hammer from Alabama. So it got to the point he wasn't even throwing. The one chance he had to come back and reverse fortune, he wasn't even throwing that. And me recognizing that, I'm like, yeah, man, stop the fight, dude. Like, please stop the fight. And eventually, uh, Mark Breland did, which created a whole new set of controversy because apparently Wilder has made it clear to his cornermen Hey, look, don't ever throw the towel in on me. I'm a warrior. I want to dial my shield. Any one of y'all that does this, throw the towel in on me, there'll be consequences. So we'll see what the consequences are. I can kind of tell by the the body language and the looks on the faces of Breland and Wilder as they discuss it. I I, I would be shocked if Breland works (laughs) Wilder's corner ever again. And that's unfortunate because, like I've already said, the, the stoppage, was just. He was getting his ass whipped, dog. He was getting his ass whipped, dude. Uh, that's really the only way I can put it. Well, it's, it's interesting that you bring that up, Reed, because, you know, as I was watching the fight, and especially the last three rounds, to be honest with you, I noticed that the referee was staring at Wilder. The referee wasn't paying attention to Fury, he was staring at Wilder. And and especially as we got to that last round, the ref was going to stop the fight. I don't think, whether that towel came or not, the ref was getting to the point where he was going to stop the fight because Wilder was not intelligently defending himself. I mean, it was clear. The ref has come out, Kenny Bayless is the ref's name. He's come out and said, he didn't say, hey, oh, like, you know, the riders try to pin you down. Well, how many more shots would you have allowed? He's like, look, I ain't going to say all that. I'll just tell you, I was already thinking stopping this shit. He didn't say shit, but, you know, he was already, he was already thinking about stopping that shit in his own fucking mind anyway. Here, here's, here's my thing. Like, 
Mark Breland, his trainer, he was one of the greatest amateur fighters that ever lived. He, uh, when he, when he went pro, like, Mark Breland had, like, one fucking amateur lawsuit. Like, if anyone Google Mark Breland amateur record, pretty sure he's got, like, one loss in, like, 142 fights or something. He was, like, awesome. An awesome amateur. Well, in pro boxing, you don't wear headgear. Mark Breland was able to win a world title, but he got knocked out two or three times that I know of vividly. So Mark Breland has been there, experienced it, dealt with the uh, recovery process, and he's been in Wilder's corner as a co-trainer, which is ridiculous, but that's a whole other topic. He's been with Wilder for several years, since before Deontay won the world title. He cares about him. It wasn't, and then Wilder's like, hey, well, you know, uh, Andre Durrell, Anthony Durrell was sitting behind me, and I could hear him yelling, stop it, and Durrell is trained by Fury trainer Sugar Hill, and they just like, you know, come on, Tay. Come on, Tay. And me and you discuss a lot of this over social media. Uh, the fighter's ego, it's easier to take an L in team sports or in a uh, scripted sport like wrestling, but for combat sports dudes, like, yeah, that an L is directly related to your manhood. And it's, I get it, because I, I wouldn't, I fought I long enough to learn I sucked at it. Like, I can't, I can't, I'm not built for this. So the dudes who can do it, I get it. But all the excuses that Wilder's coming out with now, it's just him thinking out loud, because the fact that this guy's just better than me, that that would that would devastate him to just admit that like this guy's just better than me. Well, and, and that's the other thing too. I mean, the the excuse that the outfit that Wilder wore to the ring was so heavy <laughs> that it right. It, it I mean, took it's, his it's absurd. Down. It's absurd. First of all, who who told him to wear that in the first place? He that was his that was his call. That right. was his call. Completely had that under control. Did you not put the thing on and walk around with it to see how it would be to wear that? <laughs> he acknowledged you know? that he, he's, in his words, he said the first time I tried it on was last night. Well, if it was heavy last night, don't fucking wear the shit in, in the fucking ring in the biggest fight of your career, dude. Like, man. I mean. Man, listen. I, I feel for the, I feel for the corner, man. I really do. Oh, yeah. Breland, Mark Breland. Yeah, I feel for him. Yeah. But, but here's my take on this, Reed, and, and please, you're the one with the experience, so you can correct me if I'm off base on this. I think Breland was protecting him on a level that goes even beyond his safety. I think that was a situation, this is just my take here, of, well, if the man doesn't actually get knocked out, he can always say, I never got knocked out, and, it was, and, and I'll take the blame. I'll shoulder that. It's my fault. I threw in the towel, and he can always have that out and say, "No, I could have kept going." And, and right, whatever, right. He was he was on that. his feet when the fight was stopped. To your point, exactly. Right. He was on his feet. Exactly. So the corner man's protected him even on a on a deeper level, where it's like no one has a picture of, of Wilder knocked out on the ground or something like that. So he can flat on his back. Right, right. You right, protect right. the next fight because right. of that, right? So you, if you're thinking to the future, it's like this guy is going to continue to say, "No, nah, I got to prove something because I didn't get knocked out. My corner overreacted, and now I got to go in there." People still want to see that, as opposed to if he got knocked clean out, 
would the next fight be as anticipated as I feel this the next fight is going to be because he didn't there wasn't the visual of him getting knocked out. Right. From Mark Breland, here's what Mark Breland saw. He said, okay, I'm with this guy who's never lost a fucking fight since I've been with him. Uh, every round, each side of his eyes, under his eyes, gets more and more puffy. His bottom lip has been busted since I don't know how long. And he's bleeding out of his left ear. Now, in in the moment... In the moment, it's easy to say in hindsight, oh, it was just a, you know, a cut inside his ear that took three to six stitches. His trainer don't know that in the moment. Is his eardrum ruptured? Is his freaking uh, brain bleeding right in front of me? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and, and you haven't won a single moment, hardly any moment of the seven rounds of this fight, dude. Like, he's wiping his ass. Not that you can't beat him ever, but you, you're not going to beat him today. It, it was clear. By that point, it was like Deontay's not winning this fight. So I had no problem with the stoppage. I get why Deontay is mad and will probably fire Breland, but I hope they can. At, I hope Deontay can at least respect and maintain a relationship with Breland, not even a financial one. But just, hey, this man cared enough about me to stop this fight. So, you know, you just check in with him every now and then. I hope it's not some cold turkey, you did this, F you, never want to speak to you again type of deal. Sure, and, and that may require time because for optics, you got to fire him. Right. you got to fire him for optics. You, you, my cheese mo and all that other BS. you got to fire him and you gotta you got to play the game of, yeah, yeah, I, I'm you know, this is a new me and, and – yeah, we ain't rolling like that. Whatever. Um, I, I, I'm disappointed in Wally, though, just from a general standpoint, because I feel like you don't need to talk about excuses. Just say the better man won. That's it. Well, like I told you on social media, I don't mind excuses. Just don't publicize them. Like, I, I get the fighter mentality. You don't, the last thing you want to say is, man, that dude just whooped my ass, man. I don't have no answer for him. But don't, even if you think, oh, it was the outfit, it was the battery pack, it was the helmet that I wore, uh, I paced the locker room too long, Mark Breland threw in the towel. Even if you really believe all that in your hardest of hearts, don't say that to the public because no one's going to accept that. He wouldn't accept that from an opponent. If he had beat Fury, he would be laughing at Fury for saying all that shit. That that that's the thing. I'm like, brothers, you got to think, man. You got to think before you speak, or before you speak publicly. You can say this, but say it around people who can help you gather your thoughts and be like, okay, man, you know what's gonna happen if you say this, like, right? But now it's too late. Now it's too late. So what happens? So okay, what happens? You're gonna come out the third fight. You're gonna have a regular robe on. What if he knocks you out in, in three rounds, or or five or two rounds? Like, okay, then what? You know what I'm saying? You got a new trainer. Uh, no one throws in the towel. You're not wearing a suit, and you get knocked smooth out like you was talking about. What happens then? Now, now you're now you have no excuses as a fighter. You're completely done. Not done, done, but as far as this KO artist, uh, baddest man on the planet, hardest puncher ever, facade that was built. Like I, I don't know. It's gonna be hard to sell that. You know what I'm saying? Well, speaking of the cell, I mean, that's the the next piece of this puzzle here. 
I've heard from a lot of other folks who, you know, just spitball in fantasy booking, whatever you want to call it. A lot of folks are saying that this was the wrong move to go to Fury and 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 Wilder part three. Like these guys shouldn't have an immediate rematch here on this deal. Instead, Joshua should be involved in the next fight for Fury. I mean, the people telling you that are correct. Here's the problem. When the fight, when Wilder Fury 2 was signed, no high-profile fighter, I don't know about MMA, but I can tell you this, unequivocally in boxing, there's not a high-profile fighter in the world who signs to fight a fight, signs for a fight with any opponent without a rematch clause. That's just automatic. So it's like, okay, you beat in, in, in the condition, you know, the money is the money, and the venue is the venue, and the weight is the weight, gloves are the gloves. But, okay, if you beat me, I have this, this many days contractually to let you and your team know I want a rematch with you. And in some cases, they already worked out the purse split for the rematch. From what I've heard, the third fight will be 60-40 for Fury. It'll be a 60-40 split. In Fury's favor. And if I'm Fury, I'm like, I just knocked this dude out. Like, I just whooped his ass. Okay. I'd rather fight Joshua. Because you're right, Duke. That is the bigger fight. They're both from uh, they're both from the U.K. But that fight will be there. And honestly, honestly, in terms of a threat, in terms of a threat, I think Joshua's less of a threat to Fury than Wilder is. I just, I truly, Wilder's more basic and rudimentary in terms of his skill level, but he does have that equalizer. He's got that one that one hit of quitter. Joshua can punch okay, but he's already been knocked out, so now he's kind of hesitant and leery. Tyson Fury's the best heavyweight in the world. Let's just put it that way. He's the best heavyweight in the world, clearly, clearly. So wait, let, let me run that back just to make sure I'm clear. You're saying that the, the Fury-Joshua fight right now, today, you feel that that would potentially drive in more buys, it would make more money as a fight than Fury Wilder having a part three. Yeah, we'll see that. See, this, now we're getting into UK, US. And here's another thing I know: the UK they go by uh, they go by the US thrives off of ticket prices. That's why we'll have a we'll have a fight in Vegas that sees 20,000 people, and yet the U.K. will have Joshua fight in front of 90,000. But if you talk about the live gate, talk about the live gate, that Vegas fight would have generated way more money than that U.K. fight. The U.K. ticket prices are more affordable, basically, is what I'm telling you. I'm thinking, uh, I don't even think, I know that would change at least, at least for Joshua Fury in Wembley Stadium or O2 Arena, that fight, yeah, that fight there has to be overseas. And the problem is, will they accommodate us as U.S. boxing fans? I believe they're like eight hours ahead of us. So we might have to watch Joshua Fury at fucking two in the fucking afternoon or some shit, two or three in the afternoon, you know what I'm saying? Or, they, or they're going to fight several hours into the in the wee hours of the morning, as they call it to accommodate us. I really don't know how that would work out. It would be more problematic 
but as a bigger fight in terms of the division and financially, uh, yeah, I, I would say because now Fury he beat Wilder, so he already had the lineal claim. There's no belt to that, but he he did beat Klitschko. Then he and then he you know fell into addiction and all of this shit and got stripped. But no one's beating him. Now he's beating Wilder. He has Wilder's WBC title. And even though Joshua got knocked out by Andy Ruiz, Joshua's got all his belts back. So Fury Joshua would be for all the heavyweight titles. Undisputed champion. Two UK dudes. Like, that's going to be, I don't know what the biggest fight UK history is, but I know Joshua Fury would, would surpass that easily. Easily. So again, I, you still didn't answer the question, though, Reed. You're ducking and dodging me now, like, like <laughs> a Fury. Now I'm a patriot. I'm a patriotic. I'm a patriotic American, dude. Yeah. You're asking is that fight bigger than uh, Fury Wilder three? That's what I'm asking. To me, yes. To me, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I hate to say it. Here's the thing. Joshua got knocked out, but he got knocked out two fights ago. And he just beat the guy who knocked him out. So Joshua has had the bounce back. You know what I'm saying? So if, if plus the way Wilder lost and uh, the way the public is receiving his excuses, Siri's going to be uh, 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 an overwhelming favorite. Not like some Tyson Douglas 50. 42 to 1 type shit, but it's, it's going to be 10 to 1, you know, 8 to 1. It's going to be like the big wig, the big wig. Uh, if I was Fury, I'd make him come over there. I don't even know if he'd make more money over there, but yeah, to answer your question, long story short, yes. Financially, uh, Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua, undisputed championship of the world. Yes. In fact, Fury's, uh, Fury's, so he's with top rank and Bob Aaron promotionally, but his actual overseas promoter is a guy named Frank Warren. Frank Warren is considering offering Wilder step aside money. Look, just let us fight this fight with Joshua. And then, you know, we, we, we beat Joshua. Okay, then we'll get you your third fight. That, that's, you know, you're gambling right there. What if, what if he loses to Joshua? That's a good question, and I I don't think I wouldn't take that gamble. If, if I'm if I'm wild, I don't give a damn about that. I just I need to run. Wilder's Wilder's pride is dumb. Wild, yeah. Wilder's pride. He need he needs that. He can't sit on that. He can't. No. He'd rather go back in with Fury and get knocked out in one or two rounds. Yep. yep. So then he knows. So it's like, damn, shit, I fucked. Like, damn. He'd rather do that. They could offer him twenty five million in step, step aside money. He'd probably be like, no, I want to fight. Well, and here's the other thing. I mean, there is no bigger fight for him to fight right now. He's not going to make more money. Well, that, that's it for him. Yeah, that's it for him. Yeah, for sure. No, this is it. This is this is the biggest fight he could ever have at this point as a result of what happened this past Saturday. No two ways about right. it. Right. So that's right. that's good stuff. Let, let me ask you, Reed, um, and this is a big one here because there's a little bit of a debate going on. Fury won the fight, fight's over, and now the post-match interview. He breaks out into singing American Pie. American Pie, right. Was he somehow, some way, taking a shot 
at the American that he just defeated, taking a shot at the nation, or was the man genuinely just singing one of his favorite songs? No, oh, yeah. Uh, and I, I use these terms loosely, but I mean it, dude. Like, and I don't know if I've ever said this. I'm kind of, I, I think that our conversations about fever, you can tell I kind of like the guy a little bit. Like, I've always spoken somewhat positive about him, even though I've never picked him to win a fight, <laughs> which sounds weird to say. But uh, so when he beat Vladimir Klitschko, he, he he beats Klitschko. He's excited. During his interview, he grabs the mic. He starts singing the Aerosmith song, Don't Want to Close My Eyes, you know, however it goes. Anyway, he sang that song to his wife in the middle of the ring after he first won the heavyweight title from Vladimir Klitschko. Uh, he wore, like, he, he did the Rocky, he did the Apollo Creed entrance for one of his, not not his last fight, but I think the fight before that. If you Google Tyson Fury, you'll see a picture of him with the Apollo Creed, uh, Uncle Sam hat and the jacket and all that stuff on. He's oh, yeah, he came out to live into America all. with James Brown. Living to, living yes, to yes, America. there we go. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Oh, yeah. oh, I yeah. think that was uh, two fights ago. It might have been uh, not Otto Berlin, but the fight before that. Anyway, no, no. And here's the deal. Here's the deal. He knew the lyrics to the song, so he wasn't, he wasn't mocking. Tyson Fury, he's gregarious, loquacious, uh, verbose. You know, he, he's that guy you just can't predict. He's a dude who, after he beat Klitschko and sang to his wife in the middle of the ring, he was like, well, what's next? Then he fell into depression, drug addiction, obesity. My man got like like 400 pounds, Duke, and and, and tried to kill himself. Like, this dude, the, the Irish traveling the Irish traveler background, in terms of Irish people, they're like the lowest class of Irish people. Yeah, I'm not Irish. I don't know about that. But that's how they describe themselves. Like, you know, we're we're like the 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 the, the low the low class of Irish. Like people, Irish people think of us the less. So for him to have this success, he just wanted to be world champion. Then he's world champion. Like, wow. I mean, what do I do next? What what do I do tomorrow? I'm already world champion. So it freaked him out. He got counseling, and, you know, he recovered from that and this and that. And now here he is. I really don't know where he goes, but he's an easy guy to, he's an easy guy to root for. He's a very easy guy to root for. That's for sure. And you can bet with WrestleMania around the corner, you know, the the, the first Sunday in April, you can bet Tyson Fury is going to be on that card somehow, some way. He's going to be involved. He better be. And that's, I think I heard it's like 850 pay-per-view buys for this fight. But, yeah, that definitely helps. Damn sure didn't hurt. Damn sure didn't hurt. Oh, no. Oh, no. And there's money to be made there for sure. I'm pretty sure he got a million dollars for the last uh, WWE event that he did. So okay. that tells you how lucrative that is. Uh you know, a, a one-match deal, so to speak. All <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Run that back for sure. Before I let you go, Reed, who's going to win? Fury, Wilder three. How many rounds? And what's what's the the final result going to be? Who's going to win? Uh, 
this is the good and bad of doing uh, a podcast with you, Duke. Well, only on one podcast that I picked Wilder to defeat Fury. But afterwards, I told you, I told you Fury won the fight. On social media, I predicted Wilder. And then Fury knocked him out. So now I'm going to tell you, yeah, Fury, he's just better. He's just better than Wilder. And with my luck, Wilder mess around and beat him. So who knows? But I'm picking Fury. <laughs> I don't. I don't see any way. I don't see any way Wilder can beat Tyson Fury based on the two fights I've already seen. Like there, there's been nothing because you hit him with your best shot, two best shots, and he got up and looked at you and won the rest of the round. So you know, I don't know, dude. And and this this will probably go down as one of the biggest tragedies in, in boxing history. Um, here you have a situation where a guy could have been probably the most dominant fighter in the history of the game had it not been for this one roadblock. This right. one unconventional roadblock. I mean, at this point, you know, it's a little different, but it would be like the Buffalo Bills. Who kept, remember, remember the Bills kept getting to the Super Bowl and then losing? Yeah, like four straight years. Yeah, and then just kept losing. And it's just like, well, damn, you, you're probably the best. And, like, lost worse every time, it seems. Every, every time. time he would get there, it was like, yeah, it was worse, worse, worse. Like, you're probably the best team in the league. Kicking everybody's butt, no doubt about it. And then you make it to the big time and you keep losing. So, I don't know, man. I don't know. Listen, Reed, before we let you go, plug that, that great podcast you have on YouTube and all that stuff, man. Uh, check me out on YouTube, read BBS, BBS, Television, Fred Sanford of the Fistic Arts. I also talk uh, mixed martial arts, combat sports in general. And, yeah, that's what I do. And Duke is my boy. You got a problem with Duke, you got a problem with me. So it, it's like that. Good stuff. Good stuff. Always a pleasure to have Reed back on the show. He just The dude knows his stuff absolutely understands what it means when we talk about combat sports, the psychology, the business aspect, the whole nine yards. Reed is my go-to guy for sure because he knows what he's talking about. And listen, I'm going to, I'm going to admit something here, folks. This is breaking news. I don't believe that Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua is the fight that needs to happen or it's going to be the biggest fight. I don't believe that. I still think that the, the Fury Wilder 3 is the fight to happen. But Reed, he, he's the guy. I got I to gotta go with what he says here, okay? If Reed says that's the fight, then that's the fight. Joshua and, and, and Fury is the bigger fight. And there's a guy who's been on the show before by the name of Gregory Coleman. And I know you're listening, Gregory. Told me that that UK fight, that Joshua Fury fight, is the way to go. So I'm telling the whole world for the first time in his life. And shout out to Gregory's wife; she has an excellent Instagram. I love it. Always have some great deals to find on her Instagram. But for the first time in Gregory Coleman's life, he actually got something right. And for that, I say I was wrong. Gregory Coleman's right. Anthony Joshua, Tyson Fury for the undisputed championship. That will be the biggest fight going if it happens. If it happens. 
Till then, Fury Wilder is the way to go, baby. That's right. Listen, I want to thank Reed once again for joining us. Shout out to Roy Lucier and also Dave Wills. Great conversation earlier in the show. I mean, you folks requested this stuff, man, and, and you were very passionate about it. It's what you wanted. So, I, hey, you know I'm going to give it to you. That's right, Jack. You know I'm going to give it to you. Join me next week because, you know, I'm going to have another great guest or two. Talk about some some good, you know, Goldberg just won the <laughs> the Universal Championship. He just beat the Fiend. We'll talk more about that next week. That happened in Saudi Arabia. Crazy stuff, man. Goldberg. Goldberg's going to the WrestleMania Universal Champion. Who the hell saw that coming in 2020? I don't know. Until next week, though, be kind to yourselves. Be kind to others. Take it away, Tony Schiavone. This is Tony Schiavone, and we're desperately out of time on Duke Love Wrestling.